Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. is all the world to me. I want no better friend. He'll be with me now and he'll be with me then. Even when life's fleeting, days shall end. And that's the way it is for the person that knows Jesus Christ. He's always with us. He loves us. He cares for us. And he is always just a prayer away. Just to call out and say, oh God, I need you. And he's right there all the time. So let's look at 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 5, 6, 8, and 10. When we look at the whole section, I'm going to read the whole section, but when we look at this section of Scripture, it's about people who say they know Christ, they know the Savior, they have a relationship with God, they're headed to heaven, but their life doesn't demonstrate it. It's the old thing about saying and doing it can you you can talk the talk but can you walk the walk and only true believers can truly walk the walk and when we mean a walk that means the practice of your life the habit of your life and so let's read these verses and then we'll go from there he says this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that god is light and in him there's no darkness at all If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ of righteousness. Uh, So what we want to do today is the verses, chapter 1, verse 5, uh, talks about who God is and, and, and who Jesus is, and they're both the same. And then he talks about in verse 6, he talks 6 and 8 and 10, he talks about people who say they know God and they, they don't really know him. And so we're going to talk about that today and what that looks like. And then next time when we're together in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about verses uh, 9 and and the other verses here, seven, nine, and chapter two, verse one and two. So let's look at that. And so the first thing we want to see is he says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
if you remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about this, we talked about the fact that John starts out this book with the test of believing who Jesus Christ is. And he, be, he begins saying that, which we've heard from the beginning, that we'd seen, we'd heard, we'd touched, our hands have handled concerning the word of life and that which was manifested to, to us, we declare to you and we de- and our fellowship is with him and, and with you. And he says, we want you to have fellowship with us. And he says, these things we write that your joy may be full. So basically what John does in the first part of the thing, part of the book is he begins to introduce the book and he tells us that Jesus was there. He was real. He was a real person. He was God in human flesh and they touched him. They handled him. They saw him. They ate with him. They slept in the same spots where he slept and they, they were all together all the time for three plus years. And he says he was the word of life. He's the one that had the real words of eternal life. And he says, we declare to you and we bear witness. And these are uh, courtroom terms saying, this is legal testimony. We swear to, like somebody were to say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and that but truth so help you God? And that's what they're doing. They're saying, we are telling you the truth. And what John's doing is because people are starting to get away from what the word of God says. And many times in churches today, unfortunately, we go to churches and And there's a lot of churches that just don't teach exactly what the Bible says. Remember the Pharisees, they started out as as good people and they were trying to get back to the word of God. But as time went on, they got proud and arrogant and they thought they were better than everybody else. And they became these sorry hypocrites that made up their own rules and regulations and went around saying, look at me, look who I am, look what I've done. And you know what? They walked around and Jesus said they were unsaved people. They were whitewashed tombs. They looked good on the outside, but they were full of dead men's bones. And so Jesus is, John is using this this beginning first few verses to tell us that if there's anything new, don't believe it. This is, we want that which was from the beginning, that which we've heard, we've seen, we heard it from Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 1, Various times and various ways, God's in times past spoke through the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And so he talks about a relationship with God, and and then he talks about a fellowship, knowing God and knowing that he's your friend and and knowing that he's always with you. And he says, and there's a joy that follows because you know you belong to God and you know your sins have been forgiven. And then he begins to talk in verse five and he says, and this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him, there is no darkness at all. And so John in what he always does, even in the book of John in in the books that he wrote, what does he do? He uses the terms light and dark and, and he uses those terms in certain ways And light always speaks of holiness, purity, righteousness, eternal life, truth, those kind of things. And error is what's called darkness and untruth and lies and and speaks of sometimes hell that Judas went out and it was night. He went out into eternal night. He was not saved. And so he says, this is the message. 
that God is like. Here's one of the things that we see that what God is, you know, God isn't a light, but he is light. That's his essence. That's who he is. He's holy. He's pure. He's righteous. He's virtuous. In John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, he says that God, that the, Jesus was that light, and that light was the life of men. In other words, his holiness, his purity, his righteousness is what gives us salvation, and it's kind of synonymous with eternal life, basically. You could say that this light is eternal life, and in him there is no darkness at all. There are no lies. There are no untruths in God that he is perfectly holy, perfectly pure. And so God has built into our, our lives something called a conscience. And it talks about that conscience and that conscience has a very great purpose. It kind of slows us down and stops us a lot of times from doing wrong things. But the Bible also says that some people have seared their conscience and that's why they can do such evil, horrible things and so when we try to cover up our sin, when we try to hide from those things, remember in the garden, what happened? Adam and Eve were in the garden and they ate of the fruit of the tree. And what happened? As soon as they ate of the fruit of the tree, their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They knew they had done wrong. And then what did they do? They tried to cover it up. They tried to hide. That's what we call fig leaf religion, trying to cover up, trying to make it right on your own. And he says, that the one that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes him shall have mercy. That's Proverbs 28, verse 13. And so when we look at these things, what we see is the Bible talks about covering up sin. And many times I've heard somebody say one time that a, that a pastor was told a long time ago by a guy at a, uh, what we call a mental hospital or a psychiatric facility, if that he could just release at least 50% of the people if they could forgive themselves or forgive somebody else. And so a lot of times that holding in sin and that holding on to sin and trying to cover it up and it causes all kinds of problems. And David, you know, when he, he had done all this sin with Bathsheba and, and killed Uriah the Hittite, even though he was a saved man, he said, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. That's Psalm 32, verse 13. David had broke, he had broke four of the last five commandments. He had coveted, he lied, he stole, he did all these things. He committed adultery. And you know what? He needed to repent. But for that year or so that he was uh, holding on to that sin and covering it up, and trying to do all these things to keep from being found out. It said his body was wasting his way. His, he was groaning all day long. But finally, when Nathan, the prophet, confronts him in Psalm 51, verse 4, he, he looks to God. He, he says, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So, so David realized that against him and him only, we have sinned. Yes, he had sinned against the nation. Yes, he had sinned against Uriah. Yes, he had sinned against Bathsheba. But you know what? He says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And all sin is ultimately against God. So let's look at verse six. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him 
and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. We'll see that in verse eight also. It's going to say, if we say we have no sin, and verse 10 is going to say, if we say we've not sinned. So each one of these steps gets a little bit worse. The person is raising their sin to a higher level and claiming worse and worse things. And the last thing they do is they, they call God a liar because they say they've never, ever sinned. And so what we're doing is we're talking about the sayers versus the doers. And as James says, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. You know, it's not enough just to claim you're in the fellowship. You have to prove it. And so as we look at verses 6, 8, and 10, what we're going to see is the absence of truth is the issue. At the end of verse 6, they don't practice the truth. At the end of verse 8, the truth is not in us. And at the verse, end of verse 10, it says his word is not in us. And this is talking about gospel truth, that these people aren't saved. Nobody's saved. Nobody's restored. Nobody gets salvation apart from the truth. Remember Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. And so let's look at verse 6. It says, this person says, I'm in fellowship with God, and I'm in fellowship with other believers. And it says there's nothing here about sin. He doesn't bring sin up because it's not a reality in his life or her life. And yet he's walking in darkness. She's walking in darkness. They're a liar. And John says he doesn't confess because he doesn't think there's anything to confess. He, he thinks the darkness is light. And remember, John's kind of dealing with these people who thought they knew this higher form of truth. It was like this pre-Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, Gnosis means to know. And they thought they had to call their own truth. They thought they had this thing and it down pat and that they were above all these things, that the body was evil and the spirit was good. So it didn't matter what you did with your body. You know, you could do whatever you wanted to do. And, and it was OK because it, it didn't affect the spirit. So that's kind of what they felt like. But you know what? That's not true. Whatever you do in your body affects your whole body. And you know that, and I know that, but some people, they want to uh, just hold down the truth and suppress it, and they don't want to really believe what God has said. And that's what's going on here. And so in verse 6, this person says there's nothing about sin. There's no discussion of sin. He says he's uh, in fellowship with God, but yet, you know what? He's deceived. She's deceived. And so Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. And so if you say you have fellowship with him, but you walk in darkness, that's a lie. And when I talk about walk in darkness, and uh, that, that means that that walk means the pattern of your life, the practice of your life. If you say, I'm a, you know, I do this every day. I, I eat at this certain time. That's the walk. That's the practice of your practice of your life. Or, or I like to read my Bible every day. That's your walk. That's your practice. That's who you are. That's what you do. But, you know, some people say they walk in the truth, but they don't. They're liars. 
And so 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 36 says that there's not a man who doesn't sin, no, not one. And, you know, that's what Romans 3.23 says also. It says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And think about this, folks, that if we tell people we hadn't sinned, then, you know, we're just absolutely lying. And so these people say that sin had no consequences. It didn't have any impact. It had no effect on their pure spiritual life. But, but when you look at it, they were just liars and, and their life was dirty and it was filthy. And so these people who are in verse six, they do not practice the truth. So the second man is in verse eight. When I say man, I, I mean men and women. The Bible uses the term men and women, anthropos. And, and the person in verse eight is another way, nice, uh, we sayer. He says he's not confessing because he thinks he's reached a state where he has no sin. You know, have you ever met anybody that said they used to sin, but they don't sin anymore? Well, that's what he's talking about here. Some people say that they're so spiritual that they don't sin anymore. And that's what's going on here. And he, he recognizes that sin exists. He just says, I don't have any. So there's no need for him to be concerned about the sin because if he ever sinned, it was in the past. And, and so his, he's elevated his spiritual, spiritual condition so high that he's beyond sinning anymore. And, you know, that's pretty bad because this person is worse than the first one because the first person kind of said, you know, that sin, what's that? I, it, it doesn't exist. But this second person says, well, it does exist, but it doesn't touch me because I'm better than that. I don't sin and uh, it's not a part of my life. And so they don't have any sin. So James 1.22 says, don't be just hearers of the word, but be what? Doers of the word, right? And then you come to verse 10 and it goes a step further. The first man said, sin, what's that? And the second man said, sin, oh, I don't do that anymore. And the third man says, yes, there's sin. I have never, ever sinned. He claims he's never sinned ever in his life. And so we got a problem here because apparently he doesn't know the truth or she doesn't know the truth. They don't know the truth about the gospel and the truth about sin. And you know what? Those two go together. Think about this. If we told people we had never, ever sinned, then we would be calling God a liar. And so what this guy, this guy or this gal's doing is just flat out calling God a liar. I remember meeting a woman one time, and I don't know where she came from, but she told me she had never, ever sinned in her life. Now, I, you know, and I tried to tell her, I said, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Go read Romans 3. It says over and over and over again, there's none righteous, no, not one. And yet she sat there and told me she had never sinned. Most people would admit they've sinned or done something wrong. You know, it was like the guy one time said, you know what? I thought one time I made a mistake, but I was mistaken. I didn't make a mistake. So the only mistake they made was they thought they messed up one time. 
And that's where some people are. They think they've never done anything ever wrong. And so I don't know how you can come up with that conclusion, but none of these people who are claiming these things are in the fellowship. None of them are saved. None of them are in the light. They've failed the test of a right understanding of their own sinful condition. And you know, that's the first thing we've got to do is, as people to get to God is to understand our own sinful condition that, that we have a need for a savior. And until we understand that we have a need for a savior, we will never be forgiven. We will never be saved. We will never be changed. And it's unfortunate that many people think based on what they've done or not done, they're going to get to heaven. You know, for quite a few years, I grew up believing that. I don't know how that got started, but you know, the Pharisees, that's what they did. They thought because they were so good and they did this and they didn't do that, they were going to heaven. And, you know, that's what I grew up believing that all of us one day, you know, I, we'd grow up, I'd, I'd get married, I'd join the church and, and have a couple of kids, live happily ever after. And one day I'd go to heaven because, you know, I was a pretty good fella. <laughs> well, you know what? I wasn't a pretty good fella. I wasn't a good person at all. I, you know, and, and, and the Bible says that all of us deep down inside, it says out of the heart proceeds all kinds of things, wickedness and murder and adulteries and all kinds of things. He says, what comes out of the mouth is what in the, is in the heart. So when you hear somebody speak and they're saying all these things, that's what's in here. And, you know, deep down inside, each and every one of us is sinned. James 4, 17 says that uh, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, that's sin. You say, well, I, I never committed a sin. You know, that's what they say. They committed a crime, right? They lied. They stole. They, you know, have you ever coveted? You know, if you ever wanted something somebody else had, guess what? You just sinned. Have you ever lied? Have you ever sat there and, and said, hey, you know, uh, I don't like the way that person looks, or I just don't like them because you just decided you didn't like them. I know we've all done that at some point in our life. Maybe because of the way somebody looked or the amount of money they had or the clothes they were on or the color of their skin or something, whatever it was, we've all done that at some shape, in some way, shape or form. But you know what? That's what makes us all sinners is the fact that every single one of us has done something wrong at least once. And if we've ever done something wrong at least once, guess what? We need a savior. And that's why Jesus came. I've told y'all before, and I'll keep telling you, if we could get to heaven on our own, Jesus could have just stayed in heaven. But he came, and the gospel is, is that Jesus died for our sins. Notice it says, for our sins. He was buried, and then he rose again the third day. That's what we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, what some people call Easter, but that's what we celebrate is that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And that rising from the grave is what God says, declares us righteous. But we, he died for our sins and he was buried. He rose again to prove that he had conquered sin. He had conquered the grave. He conquered everything. And when he came out of the grave, what that did was declare that he was God in human flesh and that God was satisfied with his sacrifice, that he had died in our place. He had died for our sins. And that what John 1 says, 
Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You know, in the Old Testament, they killed all them old animals, the goats, the sheep, the lambs, the rams. They killed all that stuff, those doves and all those things when they sacrificed in the temple. Because every one of those animals, every one of those deaths, every one of those things that were killed in the temple were pictures of what Jesus would do when he died on the cross for our sins. And the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so none of these claimers are, are, in, are saved. None of these people are going to heaven. And you know what? The guy, the first one says his sin is righteousness, that this is, you know, that I don't, I don't even know what sin is. The second one says, I, I, I don't sin anymore. And the third one is never sin. And anybody denies their sin and insult that they insult God, because if we say we do not have not sin, we have made God a liar. First John chapter five verse ten says, "The one who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar." You know, John said, Jesus said, "Unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins." That's what he told the Pharisees, unless you believe I am he. And it says that in John 16, that he will convict the world of sin and of judgment and of righteousness of sin because they've not believed on him. In John 3, 16, we know that it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But you know what? The next, he, next thing he says is he didn't come in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And he says that he who believes in Jesus is saved, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So all we have to do to go to hell is not believe in Jesus. You can just do nothing and head to hell. That's what the Bible says. We're all on a train headed for hell. And to get off that train, you have to be like that tax collector, like many people in the, in the Bible have done and just cried out, say, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I want to go to heaven because of what Jesus did. And that's what we have to do. Listen, folks, the sacraments won't save you. Baptism won't save you. Communion won't save you. Good, good works won't save you. Church membership won't save you. I've done this or I hadn't done that. Here's what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says. For by grace, that's getting something you don't deserve. Grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. Through faith, faith is the vehicle that God uses to forgive us and save us. He said, for by grace, through faith, you have been saved. It is the gift of God. See, salvation is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. So listen, when we get to heaven, if we've trusted in Christ, we won't be able to boast and say, hey, I got here because of this, or I got there because of that. I heard a story about a guy, I think I told y'all that the last time, that about that boy that he, his son was going to, uh, the man was going to die, and he says, well, if you give me your son to die in my place, then I'll be set free. And then the guy gets out and he says, oh yeah, the reason I got out was because, you know, they gave me time off for good behavior or this, that, and the other. And, you know, and the whole deal was, 
was the man's son had died in his place. And that's what Jesus did. He died in your place. He died in my place so that we might have eternal life. And so I beg with you and plead with you, if you are trusting in communion or good works or baptism or, or something you've done or not done, or you, you think you're a pretty good person, or maybe you're like the one guy that told me one time, he said, he says, I was baptized as a kid and I've never felt like I got far enough away from my baptism. I guess he was saying he hadn't committed a mortal sin that he needed to be born again. And I told him what, what uh, Jesus said in John 3 to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And to be born again means you confess you're a sinner, that you have a need of a savior, you ask God to forgive you. You ask God to save you. And the Bible says, whoever calls on his name shall be saved. Whoever believes in him shall be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall be saved. Not whoever behaves, not ever who's baptized or takes communion or does this or doesn't do that, but whoever believes. The Bible said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Taking God at his word. God said he sent his son to die in our place, to die for our sins, to forgive us. And if we will put our trust in that, Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, and ask God to forgive us and save us on that basis, we can go to heaven. And if you've never done that before, or you're not sure today, if you died, you'd go to heaven Right there where you're at, you could just bow your head. Why don't we do that? Just bow your head for a second. You could just cry out to God and say, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. I believe that Jesus died in my place. He died for my sins. And I want to go to heaven because of what he did. I understand I can't do anything. But as the old song says, Jesus paid it all. Think about that, folks. All to him we owe. Sin had left the crimson stain, but he washes us white as snow. Jesus paid it all. He didn't leave anything for us to do. He paid it all. Father, we thank you for these folks here today, and we ask today that if there's one here that doesn't know you, that they would right now ask you to forgive them, ask you to save them. And I know you said, if they mean it with their whole heart, you said, well, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and Jesus is Lord, then thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth you confess unto righteousness and with the heart you believe unto salvation. Do that today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, the Lord bless y'all and keep you and make his face shine upon you both now, today, and forevermore. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, 
to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.